everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Everybody, it's Kat, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? This is a fascinating topic. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, AI is uh, all around us now. All around us, and I mean... It could be taking our jobs. Uh, we might lose the podcast potentially <laughs> and have like a, you know, a, a, a voice of us. Like, well, that's kind of funny because we have humans that have, like, said they would take over the podcast. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. they could imitate our voices and no one would even know that it wasn't us anymore. Well, I know you can like. Um... I forget how it works. You upload your, your, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember how it works, to be honest with you. But I know you can get like a, uh, you can make anyone do the voiceover to your podcast. Like, you can create an AI um, character and they'll like do the voices. Have you been, like, you know, researching getting rid of me? <clears throat> no, I just remember seeing it somewhere on online. Well, you know, uh, I, while they might sound like me, uh, it would not have my personality. Um, well, I mean, it basically does your, you know, it does your voice. Um, well, I don't know. I, I don't want to say what it does actually because I don't know it I don't know enough about it so I hope that uh maybe we can get some insight into how it works I cannot wait till we do this interview because I have so many questions you know since the writer's strike and um you know and also there are authors that are suing like there's a lot of lawsuits litigation uh over AI so I it definitely is a fascinating topic that we've been wanting to have a guest uh, give insight about for a long time. So, you know, today is the day. Yeah, it'll be interesting because there's, I mean, I, I suppose there's good and bad sides to AI and, and you know, on a whole. I mean, um, it could be used for good things and I'm sure it could be used for bad. Well, you see, like, in movies, you know, like horror movies, especially, um, you know, where a people create the AI and then it like gets out of control and takes over and starts killing them, and you know, like <laughs> those kind of um, what seem to be extreme um, plots. Yeah, I mean, I guess it. You know, some of them could be coming true. Well, you know, I can barely watch the movies that have that happen. So I can't imagine, you know, like living in the world turned like that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. I mean, are the machines going to take over someday? <laughs> I'm sure if they do, it'll be a while yet. But, uh, you know, it's I like... Guess it's Go ahead. Um, you know, AI is really in its infancy, more or less. I mean, it gets better every year, but uh, it just remains to be seen what will happen with it. Well, I mean, in a way, it's it's like different than, okay, you know, like when machines um, were first like used to help build cars or, you know, in factories. Right. Like, everyone was afraid, you know, like, probably of similar things like this, okay, you know, they're not going to need people to do it anymore, so, um, you know, there was some kind of panic, 
even though like the positive side of it is what that you can produce like way more faster yeah yeah however with ai i mean in a way and, and i'm taking this like sort of from the writers you know john grisham and the Mm-hmm. the others that have this lawsuit i mean it is stealing it, stealing copying uh mimicking whatever word you want to put in there like like us you know like our our actual collective minds and thoughts and communication styles yeah i mean that's how it learns i guess it uh you know it scrapes the internet for you know the things that it needs and it learns from it and um, is able to give you what you're looking for and so that really is like a little bit different than you know i can put a bolt on every two seconds or whatever you know a machine that does just that yeah and then the scary thing is that machines can learn from each other Oh, now you're giving like another plot twist, you know, like <laughs> what could happen. Well, oh, I mean, well, you, you program a machine to do a certain job and then it, there's ways for it to learn from another machine so it can, you know, do more than one thing, I guess. Yeah. Well, so these are some things I have seen lately being advertised, you know, as whether they're apps or, uh, you know, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem like, at first, you know, you laugh. I mean, that's what I do. Um, so there's a rabbi, AI. <laughs> okay. You know. So when that first popped up, you know, of course I was like laughing because I'm thinking, okay. So, you know, th- there's also, like, um, prayer apps, confession apps that you can uh, you can go to confession to talk to, you know, an AI priest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, okay, so the good side of that would be, like, it might be less embarrassing, too, depending on what you're <laughs> confessing. Uh, it might be less embarrassing to, like, you know, go type it into an app and right. let them say, okay, you know, whatever. But, you know, then the negative side of that could be, like, if it's a corrupted kind of uh, priest, you know, they could tell you, like, you have to go jump off a bridge because you have, yeah. you know, whatever you have confessed. Right. So that could be the danger of it. I mean, not that I personally, well, I would not be confessing into it anyway, but if I were, I would not go jump off the bridge, no matter if it told me to or not. However, there are people that would, I think. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I well, guess. Um, I, know, I know it's used for different things already. Like, you can go on some... Uh, what is it? The I think it's like Wix or one of the um, one of the sites that creates websites, and uh, basically you just answer a bunch of questions and hit go, and it tells you know it spits out a website based on your answers. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, so it can, like you said, make a website. Uh, it can write a paper for you. Yep. Um, it can, you know, I mean, it can do so many things like so fast. And I guess like, I mean, so if I said write a song for me, for instance, and, and I wrote one, I mean, I, I don't think it's ever going to replace like, there's a human element, right? That you yeah, have to course. think. You know, it cannot be replicated because, you know, we're all different. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's not that smart yet, but who knows in the future? I mean, right. And so I guess that is the danger because it does seem like um, it's multiplying pretty fast or, you know, getting like it's in warp speed that it is getting um, smarter. Yeah. Um, 
you know, one thing is like, uh, I was reading recently about how it could be used for like elections and you could put out content that kind of swayed people's opinions one way or the other. And I really do think that is a scary thought because you already like social media is not regulated, you know, like, I mean, there doesn't have to be truth to whatever you post. And if enough people read it, I mean, and you can see this by reading comments, you know, of like the think tank of um, how people believe. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you an example I saw today. Okay. Which, you know, really is not AI, but it speaks to, uh, like, how people uh, don't have critical thinking. This, uh, you know, the satire news um, sites. Yeah, like the Onion. You know, like or the Onion or, or yeah. you know, whatever. Well, this one is kind of like they have local ones, uh, you know, local cities. Right. And they're called, you know the in in uh, like the inquirer or you right. know the somerset inquirer the london inquirer whatever you want to put in there um and so today's was like um it had a photo and it had this big sign lgbtq and it was like um something like let biden um something to quit you know so it it was right it was uh, a couple supposedly that had put this lgbtq and then they had made up you know what it what it was standing for um and the article then was about you know how their homeowners association was like seeing red over it and and all of this and that they were going to make them take that sign down out of the yard and so people, um, I mean, you could read from the words, the way it was written, uh, you could tell it was not meant to be a true news article. Right. Um, but, you know, there were like hundreds of comments and the people were, you know, like, this is America, you can do what you want, <laughs> you know, you keep that sign or you, you know, whatever. And there was one comment, and that person was saying, like, you know, this is why America is in such trouble, is because people cannot even, you know, uh, recognize satire. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, uh, there's been a lot of instances of that. And then, you know, somebody says something, and then somebody else says, you know, agrees with them, and the next thing you know, you got, you know, thousands of people reading some story that isn't true but you know they all agree with it because it's like because somebody else did that they know group think or people don't like you said they don't have critical thinking skills anymore yeah and so i think ai could definitely and it's listening to us we probably should not be even saying it but you know it probably already knows that this is really just um something they could easily it could easily take advantage of yeah i'm sure it could be manipulated for uh you know not so great things or could have some bad outcomes and well here's another one that i'm thinking dating sites yeah okay yeah i mean they use them already for chat bots and you know people uh uh think they're talking to someone and um they're really not. They're talking to a machine. So, and the machine could become like you know a profile of exactly what you need, like based on your right. You know, like I'm sure that you know there are people that are similar. That if you analyze enough, you would be like, okay she's looking for this type of person and if he does this you know she's going to respond well to that or not well to that or whatever and so that person could be like oh you know i found my my soulmate my dream person and um 
you know, and it's not even like a person at all. And, and the danger of that, besides like, you know, heartbreak and all the things that would happen. Um, but there's your money that you're paying, you know, like you continue to pay money or what if the AI, you know, fake person like tells you to send them money and, you know, I mean, there's yeah. just so many things like that, that people that are vulnerable and really, you know, like if finding a soulmate is important to you, then, you know, that puts you in a vulnerable state already and um, it makes it easy for that to take advantage of you. So that could definitely, you know, be the negative side, the positive side. So let's say, what would be the positive side? Um. I mean, you know, they could, uh, what? I don't know. I'm trying to think of something. But I can't think of anything off the top of my head. So it could... Huh? The positive side could be, you know, that it, it could read the algorithms and all of that that we're talking about to be used for negative you know it could, it could do those in a positive uh, way to help people actually find yep. uh, you know the right person so that that would be a positive <clears throat> yep well I guess we'll have to talk to uh, Steve and uh, find out what this is all about Steve, I want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions today. We are really excited to have you as our guest and you know, talk about your book that's just come out this year, The New Roaring Twenties. So welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate the invitation. Well, the first question I always have, like when I read a book or hear of a book is like, what prompts the writer to write it? So what was it that um, prompted you to to write this book in particular? Well, uh, Paul Zane Pilzer, uh, who's the co-author, has been a friend of mine for 40 years. We've done business in this country and in China and Russia and have been good friends. And this was his 13th book. And uh, he was well into it when he was diagnosed with uh, Lewy body disease, which is a very difficult uh, disease causing dementia and memory loss. And uh, he and his wife called me and asked me, uh, given the fact that I know Paul pretty well, that if I would finish the book, and said I'd be happy to. So it, it took me about three, four months of going through it and uh, editing it and uh, uh, adding a couple chapters and uh, pulling it all together. But uh, I was happy to do it. Uh, Paul is an economist, and he served in, you know, two Republican administrations, uh, has voted both Republican and Democrat, and he uh, is one of the smartest uh, people I've ever met. So uh, I was happy to uh, help out, and of course, he's not able to do these kinds of conversations at this point, so I'm pitching in and helping, and talking about uh, the, the new Roaring Twenties, and in particular, uh, the impact of technology with artificial intelligence. Yes, and that is a big topic. Um, there's a lot going on in the news about that. And, you know, I think at least everyone has thought a little bit about um what is the impact of AI? Uh, I know in some ways it seems like it's still something far away, but then it really isn't, right? It's with us already. It sure is. Um, uh, artificial intelligence has been around uh, really since World War II. Uh, it was part of the work that Alan Turing did to crack the German Enigma machine code 
and uh, it has been a part of our cell phones, automobiles, search engines, you know, the recommendations we receive, Siri, Alexa. Uh, it's used in our infrastructure and in our logistics. And AI is really a simulation of human intelligence. It's an imitation or a pretend version of human intelligence. And what's been determined is that often uh, can move much faster than humans can and can solve problems much more complex. Uh, and now, uh, in the last uh, really seven or eight years, there's been the development of generative AI, which uses large language models uh, and scrapes the internet and other sources, other databases for trillions of inputs and is able to actually create content, text, code, images, video, and also solve uh, complex problems and models. Uh, it also uh, is learning not only from humans, but also from other machines and machine created databases so that it is rapidly increasing its capabilities. Uh, it's very likely that the uh, capabilities it has now will increase by 10x in the next year or two, and then will continue to increase at a multiple of that. So um, it's here now, you're quite right. Uh, it's been here, but it's here in a form uh, which uses you know, our language and our stories to uh, effectively think much faster and in a much more complicated way than humans are, are able to. Um, it's going to contribute in many positive ways. Uh, it's going to improve our lives. Um, you know, it's going to speed up and replace a lot of functions that are performed by limited uh, computer power. Um, it'll help in the diagnosis of diseases and surgeries. Uh, it, will, it will help us solve our climate change issues. Uh, it will assist fire and police, logistics, pharmaceuticals. Uh, it'll expand the ability of cloud computing uh, and will create simulations and uh, supply chain assistance. So it's going to uh, be pervasive. Um, all of us are going to be affected by it. Some of us will lose jobs to it, uh, or at least our jobs will change. Um, and we've already seen the effect of uh, social media and its corrosive impact on our culture and our civilization. And this works uh, a multiple of times faster than our current uh, standard social media platforms. Um, and it will also engender uh, fraud, uh, deep fakes, which are uh, the presentation of a simulated image, uh, which can talk and think and do things in such a way that it, it's very believable, looks like a human, acts like a human. Um, it will contribute to economic and political upheaval. Um, and in the military, we're already seeing uh, it being weaponized uh, with autonomous weapons systems. And initially, uh, our Defense Department indicated that all decisions with AI would be made by a human, but now we're seeing that Russia, China, uh, our adversaries and our allies are going to autonomous AI where the targeting and kill decisions are made by AI. So our military will have to do the same in order to be competitive. And that, of course, uh, creates quite a bit of danger. Um, the priorities of this new machine intelligence are not human aligned. Uh, you know, our 
our language and our stories are uh, of human origin. You know, money is a story. Religion is a story. Democracy is a story. And we tell ourselves those stories and we support those concepts and uh, hundreds, even thousands of other important concepts through stories. For the first time, we're going to receive stories from a non-human source. And this is going to surely impact uh, the international psyche, and it's going to uh, pose some real dangers to us. Um, there is a more than zero chance that AI is the end of us, and that either accidentally or on purpose, it will at some point uh, eliminate uh, all or at least a substantial part of humanity. Um, that isn't the most probable outcome, but it's a possible outcome. And it requires everyone, each citizen, to begin to develop at least a talking understanding of AI and familiarize yourself with how AI works, at least on the most basic level, so that we can all participate in the process of solving these problems and regulating uh, the advancement of AI. Currently, uh, the major technology companies, Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Meta, Amazon, NVIDIA, Tesla, are all racing towards their own version of AI. In some case, it's you know what you've read about in terms of a chat bot. In other cases, it performs a function within the consumer products and also industrial business products of these large technology companies. And then there's another uh, I'll bet you there's a thousand companies out there that are developing their own form of AI. In some in some cases, basing this on an existing platform, and in some cases, creating their own platforms. So uh, it's incumbent, once again, that all of us begin to become familiar with this, so we can be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. Well, as we go through the podcast today, let's um, try to, I guess, um, make this on some level that's just a basic understanding so that the listeners uh, who maybe are seeing this as just something like futuristic, like when we watch the Jetsons or something like that, you know, it's uh, something that uh, seems so far out there. Um, but now, as you're telling us, of course, it's been around and is uh, multiplying, sounds like, pretty rapidly. So um, let's start with um, the SAG-AFTRA um, and the strike. And, you know, how does AI play into that? Like, what is going on and uh, that's making writers and actors, the Screenwriters you know, Screen Actors Guild, um, what do they oppose as far as AI? Well, to a certain extent, they don't know what they oppose. Okay. Uh, they are just worried that this is going to replace them. Um, the bigger issues for both SAG and the WGA are the issues of compensation from streaming. That is the most important financial issue uh, they're also concerned about job security and the fact that, you know, the size of writers' rooms have been has been reduced. The number of episodes in a series have been reduced. The business has changed, and unfortunately, the writers and to a certain extent actors are caught in the crosshairs of that. With respect to AI, uh, they know that they're worried. Um, Right now, uh, contracts between uh, writers and uh, producers or studios do not, in most cases, expressly deal with AI. Uh, you know, I 
own studio. So, uh, you know, I've been involved in writing a lot of these contracts. I'm a lawyer and uh, have, you know, been involved with production of over 200 movies. So I've seen a lot of these contracts. And it won't take much to, I think, if SAG is thoughtful about it, to design a contract that deals with the rights uh, of an actor in particular, let's deal with actors first, um, which deals with the rights of an actor and the actor's uh, artificially intelligence-generated image. Um, I think what's going to happen there, perhaps, is that it's going to, AI is going to be part of the movie-making process, but where one should draw a line is it's permissible to use an AI-generated image uh, in the project or the show that the actor is being paid for and is contracted to perform in. That seems appropriate. Where it's not appropriate, I think, is when you start to use that same AI image in other projects or other shows. Um, that should require a separate negotiation and a separate contract. And I think that's most likely where that particular issue will head. Now, um, you know, there's a huge potential for uh, misuse of images, you know, so-called deep fakes, where uh, an image can be generated, which is a false image, but looks real. Um, and that's going to be the subject of a lot of litigation. Um, and probably it's going to be decided as to what's appropriate there, largely in the courts. Um, with respect to writers, I kind of think, I'm a writer myself, have used AI in our businesses and in our, my writing. And um, I think AI may well end up being more of a help than a problem. Um, it's going to permit a writer to uh, generate ideas he or she might not have thought of. Uh, it'll help with uh, language clarification. Uh, it will help with structure. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that AI will work out okay for writers, and I don't see anytime soon or even later on AI replacing write, replacing human writers because you know, there's a certain aspect of writing that comes from the soul, and it requires... Uh, a little more sentience than AI, gener AI machines have generated or demonstrated so far. So, you know, we're not quite there yet with respect to sentience or humanness of uh, these machines. You know, that may be a problem uh, a decade from now, but I don't see it in the short term. Um, I am also cautiously optimistic because uh, Congress seems to be acting unusually uh, quickly with unusual alacrity to try to get legislation that will regulate AI. And they seem to be doing it in a bipartisan way, which is the first time you've seen something like uh, this for a few years. Um, and um, it's nice to see, but it's also a recognition of how important this issue is and how it can't be left alone or ignored and it can't become too partisan. The executive branch has been quite aggressive in dealing with these issues, educating its people and uh, setting out several different teams and task forces to deal with different aspects of AI. But most importantly, um, a small bureau within the Commerce Department, the Bureau of Industry and Security, in October enacted export controls, which stops the export of advanced semiconductor chips, silicon with transistors, to China, Russia, and most other countries who have the capacity to develop uh, significant AI initiatives. 
Um, we've also entered into an agreement with Taiwan, Japan, and the Netherlands, which are the other three countries, in addition to ourselves, who produce 99% of these very sophisticated chips to keep the chips from going, particularly to China and Russia. This will have the effect, if it is handled properly, of significantly slowing down the uh, uh, development of AI within China and Russia in particular, and certainly with respect, with respect to weapons systems. This was a very, uh, not well publicized, but a very important initiative. And then as I alluded to with respect to uh, actors and writers, there's going to be a ton of litigation so that the, the judicial branch will also get very involved in this. Um, because, you know, what happens if a company, uh, let's say a movie company, uses AI uh, generated uh, and installed by another company based on a system developed by yet a third company, and that uh, system or that AI application um, hurts people, causes financial damage, or even kill someone. Um, who is liable at that point? Is it the, the studio or the user of the AI? Is it the uh, installer of the AI? Is it the company that developed the original concepts? And the answer is probably all of them. So we're gonna have an immense amount of litigation. And there's a whole issue of copyright because AI really, particularly, uh, generative AI uses uh, the scraping of the internet and other databases, some of which is copyrighted material uh, to develop these large language models. And they develop trillions of data points upon which they can uh, develop complex models and uh, ideas that will develop into yet further computing power. So um, it's going to be uh, the subject of uh, a lot of copyright litigation because some of this material should not be uh, should not be used. And as of right now, um, it's being scraped uh, regularly and being used for the benefit of large uh, AI companies like the ones I've cited. You know, an example of this is Wikipedia, which is a tremendous source for writers, for students to try to understand and do a deep drop dive into uh, a particular topic. Right now, Wikipedia is a primary source of data for these machine-driven learning systems, uh, which have become AI. So um, you're gonna have uh, Congress involved, the executive is involved fairly aggressively, and you're going to have, you know, the lawyers are going to keep very busy. Um, AI is going to eliminate a lot of routine tasks for lawyers and make their jobs easier in some ways, certainly with respect to research and drafting of contracts, but it's also going to create uh, a huge amount of litigation, um, just seeing the beginning of that. And so the recent rulings, I know there, I saw the one for Denver that said that um, you could have an AI bot to be the wedding officiant. Um, what other, is there other litigation cases that you could tell us about? Involving well, um, you know, Colorado is a funny state. <laughs> they, they, they like to come up with their kind of odd interpretations and uh, there, there's a bit of headline grabbing going on there I think I don't expect um, AI officiated weddings to be a big deal hmm. um, you know in California um, there being uh, the governor and also the legislature are being very aggressive and I believe it's their position that AI should become um, nationalized and really owned 
by the, and managed by the federal government, much like the uh, Atomic Energy Commission. And then there should be negotiations worldwide as to you know, the limits of this technology so that guardrails can be set up, similar to the atomic bomb, where we can um, limit the, the dangerous impact of all this. Um, and of course, California has their own perspective on things that may not be shared by all other states, but there's, there's some precedent for a nationalization of AI and even some of the companies that are hurtling along this path have said that nationalization, similar to atomic energy, may be the right approach. Matt, what do you think of that concept? Um, I, it sounds like there needs to be some regulation of it for sure. Um, I was curious, how, how, much, uh, or how much did you know about AI before you got into writing the book? I mean, was that like something you were interested in before or um, did it come about in taking over the project of writing? That's a terrific question. Um, and I'm not sure I know the answer to that. <laughs> we, <laughs> we have used, uh, my business partner and I, you know, we own uh, five companies that do different things, including e-commerce. We have a streaming and television service aimed at the gay audience, mm -hmm. which has been very successful for us. And we have used AI in our businesses, you know, from the beginning. And we've been doing this now for 20 years together. Mm -hmm. And so AI has been a part of our business. We really uh, got involved with generative AI kind of simultaneously with Paul Pilzer asking me, to help complete the book. And at that point, I really had to get into it very uh, deeply because I'm not a technologist. I don't code, but um, we do use this in our businesses. I've had to understand it in order for it to be functional for us. Um, but as a result of finishing up the book, I really had to do a deep dive and, you know, currently I read everything I can. Uh, there are several very good podcasts. The one that I listen to every day is something called the AI Breakdown, mm -hmm. which is about 15 minutes of AI news every morning. And, um, you know, there's no lack of literature uh, or research being done on AI. I could spend all my time just assimilating this stuff and reading it. There's a lot I don't know, but I also have learned a great deal and enough to at least have a point of view, which I thank you very much for allowing me to share it with you. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, um, we t talked a little bit about jobs and how this could affect some people losing their job or at least change what the job role would be um, because I, I can see where this could streamline a lot of things uh, and then there could be other jobs created in the technology industry um, you know so I, I, I could see how jobs might shift but like for education for instance um, you know, teaching is, of course, giving knowledge, um, but there's the human element as well. Uh, so will, are there jobs that you feel like AI uh, will not be able to uh, monopolize, I guess? Well, it's going to affect, I think, pretty much every job. Um, my co-author, Paul Pilzer, believes that uh, you know, that the number of people in the workforce over the next 10 years will decline from about the current 50% to about 30% because a lot of jobs will be replaced or no longer will be necessary. Um, this is the first technology that may well replace 
uh, a number of middle management jobs, which really technology has affected in the past, but has not really replaced. So, um, you know, there are going to be certainly an impact on all of us. And Paul, for one, and I think he's probably right, believes it's going to reduce the number of people who uh, who are going to be working. And we're going to need to find a way to support those who, at least on a transitional basis, those who are not working. Um, in terms of the question you've asked, which is which jobs are safer, you know, certainly um, if one has a basic understanding of artificial intelligence, and particularly the chatbots uh, from OpenAI and uh, uh, you know, ChatGPT, uh, the uh, Bing, uh, DALI2, Google Bar, Anthropic Claude, MetaLama2, these are all systems that to a varying degree uh, an average person can sit down and begin to uh, play with and become familiar with. You know, my daughter lives in Sydney, Australia, and she's a designer. Uh, she designs products and uh, as well as uh, uh, homes. And she um, um, has been quite successful, but I, I you know, told her that in my opinion, she really needed to become familiar with these tools because this is going to be a big part of the design business going forward. It's not going to eliminate the human designer, but the ability to provide the right uh, prompts to um, AI that has uh, graphics processing units and is able to create design, video, and uh, images is going to be the uh, stock in trade for most designers. So she really has to do this. And this is true of, of certainly young people today. They need to become familiar with this. And, you know, universities are um, kind of torn. They, they're concerned about um, these chat bots being used to uh, cheat on homework, uh, what they really need to do is help their students become skilled at using these systems. You know, but our educational system uh, is really not well set up to create a sense of wonder and joy among students and to get them excited about things. Uh, even at the most prestigious universities, and engineering schools, you know, young people today often don't show up for class and don't take advantage of the wonderful teachers and professors that they have, and also are not being encouraged to step into the 21st century. The other problem with young people today, if I might sound like an old crank, <laughs> um, is that they're not used to engaging with each other and other and and older people in conversation they're not used to looking at someone and being in person and being present uh, in conversation and in discussion and one of the ways that we can deal with ai is frankly to become more human and to look for opportunities to reach out to each other and make more contact with humans. You know, I'm sure that you've been at a restaurant where people are sitting there looking at their phones and nobody's talking to one another. Mm -hmm. If anything, they're showing each other images on their screen and texting with other people rather than engaged in in-person conversation with those around them. Now, technology can really, really enable conversation um, this conversation that we're having is an example of that. You know, we're able to discuss these 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 subjects and debate and conjecture. Um, but I think it's really important that we as humans become more human 
and look for opportunities to be of service to one another. Um, you know, there are a lot of people in need, and sometimes it's just a smile or a hello, and sometimes it's actually reaching out. You know, we we all get very busy. We tend not to reach out to friends or acquaintances, but people are really happy to hear from you. Um, simply because they're not reaching out doesn't mean anything. Um, you know, I make a point of once a week, I try to reach out to and set up something with a person who I haven't talked to for a while. It can be a, what I consider to be a good friend or an acquaintance or even somebody new. Um, because human contact is going to be really important as we deal with AI. Um, and for young people, it's incredibly important that our educational institutions help them relate to AI, but also help them relate to other humans. And that's a very hard thing to do. Uh, it, it is very hard. And um, I, I can see how that this is a practical tip that you're giving us that we could all implement. And that would, um, you know, help us in the long run as we try to keep the positives of AI without um, seeing so many consequences from um, from that, um, because it never will be human. Um, however, I could see where we become a society that is not really looking at the logical side anymore. Or, um, focusing on that rather than the human emotional part that we have. Um, that so makes and, and, and AI chatbots can be very convincing and very human. They're not human, but um, there have been people who have established relationships with them that in their view has been easier and better for them than a human relationship. And that leads to some unintended consequences and what if a chatbot in a very humanistic convincing way starts trying to talk people into committing suicide um, that's not a good outcome and people who are vulnerable and think that the chatbot is their friend um, some of them are going to be convinced so um, it's important for us to distinguish between what is really human and what is machine. Um, and it's, it's not an easy thing to do, and it's sort of a soft response to this huge problem. But I think, believe it or not, our executive, our legislative, and our judicial uh, sides of our government are actually trying to ring fence AI and regulate it and it won't be perfect, but at least the effort is being made in a way that I haven't seen uh, for a long time. I'm glad that you did bring the relationship thing up because I, I, I didn't have the suicide written down, but um, I was thinking like in terms of even being scammed, like what if it starts telling you, you know, send me your bank account you know, information <laughs> or whatever. Um, I mean, there's a lot of ways that that could be hurtful besides the fact that, you know, mentally um, falling in love with or believing something is your friend. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, it's very weird um, and not recommended. <laughs> yes if you take nothing else away from the podcast today like remember that um so i mean even a podcast i suppose in the future could be or maybe they already exist where the podcasters are um you know ai podcasters and maybe <laughs> even the guests you could easily have that and it'd be uh podcast similar to what we're having, I suppose. Well, we're not there yet. And, uh, but we could be there in the not so distant future. I mean, this is not something that's going to happen, you know, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, this is something that's going to be 
part of our lives very, very soon, if not already. Uh, but there are ways to regulate it. Uh, there are ways to limit the impact and the speed. And, you know, again, I'm encouraged by the fact that I think at least we're trying. And, uh, you know, this is something that is going to be incredibly beneficial. It may well help us solve uh, climate change problems, which is certainly imminent. Uh, but uh, it also creates... Uh, great danger. And uh, you know, one of the things we can do is have conversations like this where we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, just recognize that uh, you know, this has many aspects and it's going to improve life in many ways, but uh, it's also going to create a whole new set of problems, which is not exactly what we need right now, but it's what we got. Mm. So the, I guess the last category I'd like to talk about would be health care. Uh, I know that you're saying earlier it could uh, help tremendously with diagnosing uh, illnesses because there's so many things that uh, it can process so quickly from all these sources, like way more than a human would be able to. And, and we all want that. Um, we would love to be able to get to the root of the problem faster so that we could start treatments earlier. But will it also, could it also have the negative effect of uh, deciding like, uh, okay, you're, you're not getting treatment. Um, like, you know, <laughs> all my sources are saying like, there's no hope for you. So goodbye. Um, you know, will it ever be making that kind of decision of, uh, who is worth saving or not saving just based on all these algorithms that it's bad? You know, it's possible. Um, I think in general, the impact on medical care and diagnoses and also surgery is going to be extremely positive. You know, it's going to enable a doctor or a group of doctors to access all of the available data in a, in a way that can be understood and applied. Uh, it's going to identify rare disorders that uh, a doctor may not have seen before. Um, and it's going to pose solutions and uh, action to be taken that in many cases, the doctor or doctors would not have thought of. So uh, it's gonna have a huge positive effect. Uh, but you're touching on a very interesting point, which is if yeah. we give AI uh, decision-making authority or the AI decides, even though it doesn't have decision-making authority, that it has, as you alluded to, and I think it's an excellent point, that it's done all the research and there's nothing to be done and just throws up its metaphorical arms, um, then, I mean, uh, that could be, you know, very bad. But um, I'm hopeful it doesn't come to that. We'll see. Yeah, let's hope we don't find out firsthand. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Well, Matt, um, this is like, I don't know, gosh, it's a lot to lot to process and think about. But um, do you have any final thoughts? Um, it, just fascinating um, information about the good and the bad. Uh, you know, you don't you don't really think about it too much. It sounds like, you know, for a lot of people, I'm sure it sounds like some big brother uh you know, Orson Welles kind of thing, but uh, it's here, it's happening, and, um, you know, we need to get ready for that, it sounds like. Well, I think educating ourselves is good. Uh, I think uh, being part of the political process that's going to impact this is good. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, uh, it doesn't hurt to be more human and to look out for other humans and help others because uh, that may ultimately distinguish us from the machines and allow us to uh, not be overcome. All right. <clears throat> well, uh, 
on that note, we are going to let you go. Um, thank you. We really thank you for the conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we really thank you for coming by, and we're gonna we're gonna uh, ask you to come back in uh, oh you know sometime next year, and uh, we'll see what's happening then, and um, you know get a, get an update on the state of things as you see them, because I think it's an important topic that uh, needs to be talked about for sure. Happy to do that. Thank you for the opportunity to chat with you this evening. Thank you. I'm going to go out like start contacting people. (laughs) (laughs) Being very human. Yep. It's it's something we all can do. All right. Thank you very much, Steve. You're welcome. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to cat at iwriteplays at outlook.com, or you can write to me at backstorysessions at gmail.com, or matt at level11ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.